Welcome to Our Next Existence by Katie and the Chorus. I'm Katie, former technology strategist turned reluctant spiritual medium, and I channel messages from the Chorus, a group of beings just beyond our sensory perceptions who are loving, expansive, and who greatly enjoy sharing their perspective of us. Join us each week as we share and discuss their ideas about humanity's existence, purpose, and future. Concepts you can draw from to accelerate your path, expand your perceptions, and ultimately step into the flow of the universe and your life. Let's pretend that you, me, and the chorus are sitting on a bench looking out over the ocean. And the chorus says to you, what do you see? And you say, I see blue sky, I see ocean water, I see some palm trees, I see some sand, I see people moving around and beach towels and laughter and sand toys. And the chorus says, terrific. And then the chorus turns to me and they say, Katie, what do you see? And I say, well, I see all of that too. And I also see some beings in the water. And you might look at me with surprise. And you might say, you, you see beings out there in the water? I say, yeah, I do. Actually, they've been there a really long time. And, and most people can't see them. And then we might talk about this a little bit more and a little bit more. And I might start to tell you about more of the experiences I've had with the chorus. Other encounters I've experienced, ways I've started to understand different types of existences, perspectives. And as you listen to me, as the vastness of what I am describing starts to sink in and maybe even in some ways resonates with questions that you've had, a feeling might start to rise up within you that asks something to the effect of, has it all been a lie? If you listen to conspiracy theorist circles on, on any social media or in any sort of group setting right now, you'll probably hear this question coming up a lot. Have we been lied to? Or perhaps even a certainty of we have been lied to. Now, before I address whether or not we have actually been lied to, I'd like to connect this to last week's topic on one at a time. The chorus brought up this idea that humans have, we have, rebuffed the energy of the universe, rebuffed our perception of the infinite. And one of the ways we do that is in resonating with a mental capacity that reaches its limit pretty much at one at a time. Recently, we've started to expand a little bit and have encountered the topics of multitasking or of seeing things from different ways. This is a first step outside of what we had classically been able to contemplate at any given moment in time. Up until now, you could say we were quite strictly limited to being able to consider what was simply right in front of our faces, which was by choice and by design. This sensation that we all have felt as we have come across new questions new perspectives, new ways of looking at our reality that radically shift the way that we had looked at it before are an example of our coming to consciousness of this one-at-a-time fashion of thinking in which 
there can be only one reality. The other day I was going for a walk on the beach and as I turned around to come back up the beach to go home, I noticed two or three people in front of me staring out into the water. Whenever this happens, I always look to knowing that someone has spotted some sort of sea creature that I'm also probably going to be interested in seeing. I noticed a shadowy figure sort of under the water in the waves, not very far off from the shore. And I asked the woman, I said, what is it? And she said, it's a manatee. And right then it broke the surface of the water with its snout and did the little (laughs) (laughs) blowing of the waters. They come up for air. Well, the manatee happened to be going the direction I was going as well as two other walkers that were in front of me. So the four of us made our way up the beach north through what was at that early time in the morning, pretty empty parts of the beach. The three of us walkers would keep an eye out for the manatee. The manatee would swim along and breach the water every now and then, (laughs) then dive back down. Well, as we got up to the public part of the beach, there were many more people suddenly in the water. It wasn't incredibly crowded, but I would say clusters of dozens here and there for the stretch of the public beach. Well, I expected that the manatee, not wanting to be around so many people, would probably turn around and go back the other way or maybe swim out to deeper water and go around all the swimmers that tend to stick pretty close to the shore. I could not have been more wrong. (laughs) Much to the surprise of the other walkers and I who were now following the manatee's tracks, the manatee started to swim directly through the crowd of swimmers, weaving through them like a thread through fabric. In the beginning, the other walkers ahead of me tried to alert the swimmers in the water so that they could see the manatee, but also so that they wouldn't be startled when a 500-pound sea mammal (laughs) swam right behind them or in front of them. And every time as they shouted, manatee, manatee, the swimmers did not hear them. And we watched as the manatee swam within feet of each of these swimmers without them even knowing. It started to get pretty funny. I mean, we would almost sort of like bite our fingernails as it would come up to yet another group of swimmers thinking that they would see it and sort of jump or... And every time the manatee would kind of just go right in between them, right behind them... (laughs) And they had no idea. Eventually, the other walkers peeled off back to their beach blankets, but I was going way back up north to the end of the key. So the manatee and I continued along the coast. And do you know in that entire walk how many people in the water actually saw the manatee? Three. One was a man I don't know, maybe in his 30s, swimming by himself with a pool noodle. (laughs) And the manatee must have come within less than six feet behind him. He saw the shadow, turned to look, and then (laughs) did get very startled. Tars started to swim in the other direction while looking around to see if anybody else had seen what he had just seen, not knowing that there was a group of us on the sand watching this entire thing happen. And then as the manatee moved north through the public beach, there was a mother with her little girl on her hip 
and the girl spotted the manatee. So, which reality was true that day? The reality that I and the other walkers were in where we perceived that manatee the whole way up the stretch of the beach, or the swimmer's reality in which there was no manatee that day. Obviously, you can sense from what we've been discussing lately with the chorus that both are true. There is not one that is more right than the other. They're different. They were different ways of experiencing that morning. They were different ways of experiencing that beach. And they were different ways of experiencing a way of perceiving another kind of being. Very cute, very friendly little being swimming along (laughs) in between all the humans. It's no longer one at a time for us. We're starting to recognize a proliferation of realities, of versions of different stories, of ways of understanding life and linear time and human existence. If you look at the idea that we have been lied to, that reality could be considered true from a certain perspective. A reality in which lies are possible, in which things can be hidden. A five senses reality, you might say, where all you have to go on is the content of someone's words or things that you see. Perceptions of energy that only happen through five senses. In a place like this, it is possible to be lied to. In a place like this, there are things that we don't see and we don't know. And we can be led astray. But from another equally valid perspective, one that is energetic, one in which you sense quite obviously, whether or not what someone is saying resonates with your path and your growing perspective, there is no longer anything that can be hidden. We will see through it because we have expanded to a place of understanding and allowing for many truths, including ours. Maybe they had reasons to do what they did. Maybe they didn't. But I know that I've been in both of those places too. Sometimes I have motives for action that later on don't make a lot of sense. (laughs) But they did at the time. And then sometimes I did things or reacted in a way that even I could not explain. I understand those places because I've been there too. And I was there by choice to experience that incredible one-of-a-kind place that we constructed where you could actually deny yourself the perception of infinite creation. What a ride it's been. And today... I, and you, and we all, 
are moving past these concepts. I believe that I no longer experience deceit in the same way because I'm coming to understand the purpose that those experiences served. I do not feel powerless any longer in its presence. And if I was lied to at some point, I understand how I was complicit in that situation and how I expanded by being there too. It is the end of one at a time, my friends. We will understand. All players, all choices, the many perspectives in the universe. And in so doing, we will truly know our own truths. And we'll expand into them effortlessly. In the first part of the episode, you'll hear directly from the chorus, and then afterwards we will discuss. So sit back, relax, and allow all the color of creation to come through to you. so very long for you to be here. In achieving this resonance of allowance, you are able to more directly encounter and experience so many of us. We have watched you as you have forgotten us, as you have been unable to see us and to interact with us. We did not always understand your choice. But we knew it was leading to something. And now, as the curtain is pulled back, we are delighted with what we see. There is so much here to understand, to share, to partake in. We think that now many more of you will be able to perceive us and we would like to tell you a little bit more about what we are to assist you in this rekindling of an old friendship. We are, as you might say, a membership of the Chorus. We are of vaster frequencies that are just barely beyond your definition of beliefs. We exist in what you call the natural world. We are of what you call Mother Nature. There are many aspects of Mother Nature, as many of you well know by now. Mother Nature could be thought of as one force of love, 
And also there are many consciousnesses, many beings, and much life in the natural world around you. We exist in the water. We are in essence, you might say, that you would recognize in things that are wet. <laughs> we laugh at this concept. There is much more to us than this, and much more to our environment than this. And also, your perception of these things teaches us much. How you view our frequencies from your vantage point in the universe is a fascinating reflection of what we are. And by contrast, we understand the variety, the creativity of the universe. We used to work together. By some perspectives, you might consider this a very long time ago, but that may also depend on how you believe that you can move between frequencies where things are possible. From our view, we see your concept of time as a pile of rules about what is possible and what is not. Quite a big pile, we might say. <laughs> There is much of our energy that represents, then, for you, possibility. That is our perception. That is our standpoint. And as you look to the water, perhaps you will feel even more all that is possible for you. We love you infinitely. so funny this morning the chorus was I dropped off my son and then I decided sort of on a whim that I'd go get my favorite smoothie and I checked in with the chorus and these voices that you just heard were front and center and they were so bubbly <laughs> they were so ebullient just just like plucky readiness, like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I've felt them before, and of course, a lot recently. But I've never had them step forward like that, in that way, so clearly. Just like, hey, here we are. It's beautiful to me how when we allow things to be true, 
more things pour in. So a pertinent question for all of us now might be, is what I just channeled true? (laughs) But that's the trick, isn't it? It's not about what's true overall. It's not about what's true for me. It's about what's true for you. If it didn't resonate, if you didn't feel a lift of preference, eh, might not be on your path right now. Really is that simple. And the more we allow ourselves and each other to venture off into different directions, the more we will ultimately find and build the connections that we seek. Since we're on the topic of time, and particularly linear time this season, I do want to talk about the way that they presented their perspective of linear time today. Now, as we've talked about, the chorus broadly looks at the concept of linear time as neither right or wrong, great or bad, simply a way we had constructed our limitation here. Particularly when they talk about linear time, they suggest that by way of pushing things out of us in a line, away from us in a line, as in tomorrow or yesterday, we believe by this construct that we cannot then naturally just resonate back to that place. It has already happened. It is over. And we cannot very easily resonate to that future place. It hasn't come yet. It's unreachable. This construct viewed from another perspective, however, was the beginning of our awakening, was the beginning of our expansion. Because previously, when we were resonant, wholly overlapping with the beliefs of limitation, we did not allow ourselves to perceive all the aspects of the infinite universe in the present moment. We were very much constricted to quite literally the five senses and what was right in front of us. And as soon as it passed out of our view, we forgot it. So by this view, humanity in the present day and age is really pretty far along on the path of awakening because now we have all of these ways of reaching into the fullness of the present moment. We have ideas about how we could circumvent time. We have memory recall from these other frequencies. We have imagining and daydreaming, which allows us to reach further outward to some of these frequencies. Now, All of these constructs we know well, and we still often append to a linear timeline. So when we quote unquote, remember something, it is instantaneously attached to a portion in our history that we are recalling. And this works perfectly well for now. As we continue to expand, we will have other experiences that we will go on to name where we potentially more directly, more evidently, more viscerally resonate with these other frequencies and we might call them other times in history or we might just call them that frequency and that frequency and that frequency over there (laughs) or more particular names for those frequencies should we wish it. The water spirits, however, today brought up an idea of linear time that really gets down to the crux of this function. They said, 
your idea of time, from our perspective, has to do with what you allow to be possible. And they went on to say that really all of your beliefs about time are just one big pile of rules of what you think is possible or not. Now, this is fascinating because most of us humans recognize this function in terms of time, as we've talked about in the first book and the both podcast seasons to date, we have a group consensus about possibility. So we all loosely understand how long it takes a plant to grow or how long it takes to build a house. And so it is very difficult from the resonance of the group consensus to experience something in any shorter period of time that drastically changes the definition of possibility for the group consensus. So maybe you can bring in a ton of people and speed up the time it would take to build that house, but you're still sort of abiding by our rules for energy expenditure. You can't simply walk up to a plot of land and snap your fingers and have the house just magically appear. That would very much violate in a sudden kind of way all of our agreements about limitation. So while we understand this in the context of time, we understand possibility in the context of time. They simply abbreviated that to, well, it's basically how you define for yourselves what you're allowed to do. (laughs) You use the structure of a clock of time to tell yourselves what's possible. As we are awakening, and many of us are feeling this already, we are having these moments of what we call synchronicity. Essentially, our description of a way that things came together so well and so easily as to be practically effortless. What is also often tied into our description or definition of synchronicity is a way it all came together relatively fast. There is often a speed aspect in synchronistic experiences. Like I thought I would get this done and get this done and then call her, but actually then this happened and this happened and I didn't have to do those anymore. And then she called me, right? There's this convergence. There's a convergence of manifestations that somehow abbreviate the time periods that we might have otherwise thought would be required to get all those things done. And oftentimes it even goes beyond what we had mentally thought that situation or to-do list would look like once it was done. So synchronistic events often have this unknown element to them where you weren't planning to meet a stranger on the bus that morning and then have that stranger know a person who was looking to hire someone at their company in the state that you want to move to. But you did have a goal. You did have a dream potentially of getting a new job and of moving to that state. So without your even having to do any research, without your even having to do all sorts of cold calling, suddenly there's someone sitting right next to you that represents in a shortened way the manifestation of that desire. So these things often go together for humans. When we approach something that we want, it is 
almost unavoidable that there is a secondary track within us that is calculating how much time that will take. If we contemplate going to the grocery store, it is almost always accompanied by when and how long. Well, maybe I could do it on the way home. If I get back in time for this, I'll have to do that. If we make a plan for a project in our house, there is almost always a corresponding question of when and how long. So when would we have time to do it? Would we actually be able to finish it? And as many of us know from taking on house projects, it always takes longer than we think. It's almost a counterbalance of sorts to this idea of synchronicity, which we all love. Sort of like, wow, it just manifested. It just lined up. They just had an opening. It worked out in perfect timing, right? There's this speediness to synchronicity that's like delicious to us. But then what's this over here? (laughs) In the dark corners of limitation that we created because who knows why? There's an aspect of things often taking longer than we thought they would. I mean, if we're already limited and we already can't access a whole lot of possibility in resonance with different frequencies, why did we need this extra, this extra downer (laughs) of when we finally move in the direction of something that we're interested in achieving and we think we have a sense of how long it ought to take us, those timelines stretch. As many of you know, I used to work in technology. And let me tell you, people in tech have all sorts of experiences of things taking much longer than anyone thought. Software application development, launches for apps on phones, analyses of data. I mean, you name it, everyone gives their best thumb in the air estimate for how long it ought to take and then even adds in contingency time (laughs) for the unforeseeable. And even then, it still can often take longer than we all thought. So what's happening? Well, a very simple and straightforward answer might be that, well, we're limited And so as we get into these situations, sort of all of our human tendencies manifest around us. We embody them. And so we start to generate incomplete, as we've talked about previously, meaning we have an idea for a solution. And then it's not until we get further down the road that we realize that it kind of missed something. It missed considering an important part of the user group. It missed considering that we don't have an outlet there in the wall. And so if we're going to move that door, what's going to happen to the outlet? Things like that. And this is true. But at an energetic level, why would this be happening? I want to talk about time dilation for a moment, fully recognizing that as these words leave my lips, mentally, I have no freaking clue what time dilation is. (laughs) As happens in awakening, as you become more in touch with sort of that energetic knowing part of yourself, there is sort of this calm sense of, yeah, like that, that exists somewhere inside of you. And it is mentally, logically, 
inexplicable. For now, that energetic part is a part of us that we are coming into contact with by sort of transcending the beliefs of limitation, which our mind body instruments are currently resonant with. Now, the mind is not an inherently limiting construct. It's simply reflecting that resonance. And right now we're expanding to resonate with more than one frequency, more than one perspective. So the incredible part about being human right now is that as we expand from these frequencies of limitation, we get to experience this sort of multiplicity within ourselves from the perspective that we created where there cannot be multiplicity. An early sensation of this is the growing recognition that we have things that we think about and know mentally. And then we have things that we are energetically tapped into and energetically understanding of. (laughs) So let's talk about time dilation. Why not? And as we go through this, I'm going to continue giving you a voiceover of how it feels to do this because yes, time dilation is fascinating, but really what this podcast is always about is this sort of energetic sandbox. It's a place to sort of feel things and try things out to hear from other beings on other frequencies, see how that feels and et cetera. So I will say that the first thing that I just did was that I paused recording (laughs) and then I Googled a definition of time dilation because my mind right now is freaking out. It is convinced that I am about to say something that will be wrong or that I will regret. So there you're seeing the belief that I hold from that perspective in my ability to destroy. Hear that? That I could I could move towards something, but oh no, we've done that before. We've done that before and then we destroyed shit. So don't move in that direction. And that part of me is is there. I'm resonant there. I'm still human. <laughs> but then there's the other energetic part of me that is like, this is going to be fun. Okay. Well, we don't get there by jettisoning the five senses part of ourselves. So I will not get to an expansive perspective on time dilation in this podcast by ignoring the fear parts of me that are worried that I'm going to talk about something right now that is wrong or could be damaging in some way that I can't foresee. So what I try and do is strike a balance. So the first thing I just did was I paused the podcast and I listened to this fear part. And so I went and I looked up a definition of time dilation (laughs) because I'm not actually sure I even know what that term means. I mean, I have a vague understanding, but okay. So here's the definition from the internet. Time dilation in the theory of special relativity is the slowing down of a clock as determined by an observer who is in relative motion with respect to that clock. And there's pictures of lots of fancy math equations and like one of like a tube through space. (laughs) But my mind responded with, my mind-body instrument responded with a memory. So already by working with that part of me that's like, you could fuck this up and 
allowing that to potentially be true. Sure, I don't know. Let's start by looking up a definition. That eased. And then a part of me remembers, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, I think we read some books about this or some articles about this a long time ago. It's feeling familiar. And as we've talked about earlier in this season, you know that familiarity is our sense of energetic connection. So you're sensing how rapidly this goes, right? How rapidly this goes. Started to feel it come up out of me. Five senses responds with, you're going to fuck it up. I move in that direction and I allow it to be. Then I sort of get an energetic sense of connection to the topic, which feels like familiarity via memory. So a lot of these concepts now and through the remainder of the season are really starting to converge. Okay, so what next? So now I would return back over, so to speak, to the energetic part of me. And I would kind of just sit here in silence, (laughs) which you don't know because I edit out most of those long stretches where I'm sort of just sitting here feeling things from that energetic part of me. And usually I wait until a single word appears and needs to be said. Now, when I started podcasting last year, that was terrifying. It was terrifying to open my mouth with a single word, not knowing what words would come after it. And so often I would tell myself, kind of I would start to imagine what the conversation would look like once I started with that word or two. Of course, all it did was give me the courage to say that word or two, and it almost never looked like what I had in my head. (laughs) So again, imagination is a great way of sort of playing in those energies, but it is de facto different than the resonance of those things here. And that is why the chorus often says, we are not a substitute for your experience. You can listen to our podcasts all day. You can hear our perspectives all day, but it it can never be a replacement for your experience, for your resonance with it, for your perspective, essentially. As I turn in the direction of the energy and allow for this word, this first word or this first felt sense of this knowledge to come through, basically, as I turn towards the possibility that I could know something about time dilation, having been a direct experiencer of it, (laughs) thoughts come up within me that are very concerned that I think I might be as smart as Einstein. (laughs) Feel it. Feel the shame. Uh Uh-oh, you came too close to a lock. You came way too close to a lock. You might actually think you have brains. Who are you to think that? And you know, those words are not that distinct in my mind. It's a feeling sense. It's a feeling sense of like, oh man, someone's going to hear this episode who's going to be like a specialist in physics and time dilation and they're going to be so pissed that I said it wrong. Hear that? Hear those shame thoughts of like, you are, you suck somehow for even attempting this. Okay. So as I feel that, I usually let it be possible. Yep, that's true. Somebody could totally hate this episode. 
It's totally true. And yep, I probably, I probably don't know as much as Einstein. I'm not, I'm not trying to be the definitive answer on time dilation. I, I just think it's an interesting topic. So I don't push against this shame and I don't run from it, but I used to. I used to turn off the recording and, and walk away and I'd have to come back to it a day or two later. I used to have to let time pass in order to allow for more possibility. So let's take Einstein's example, which I can't mentally remember, but feeling-wise, I feel like I have a sense of the way that I understood this, which is that this aspect of time is relative to us, that if we are moving through space with a clock, that essentially as it moves with us, and then I paused because now my brain is kicking back into gear and it's demanding actually pretty interesting questions that I do remember reading about and wondering and I don't know how that connects to time dilation. So now I have a choice. I can again stop the energetic flow that I'm on and go look up those interesting questions or I can come back to the energetic place, which often has less to do at the start with connecting it to a five senses manifestation. So what I would do is say, I'm going to set Einstein to the side for just a minute and we'll come back to that. And you feel how your mind is sort of like, oh, okay, all right, what's next? Do you see how it reopens to a possibility? Simply by moving that sort of constricting question to a place further in time where it will be answered. So we're not saying, I don't know how I'm ever going to deal with that, kick the can down the road. It's saying, ah, yes, and your perfect place in time is right here. Feel the difference? Okay. So now I come back over to the energetic feeling sense of this question and it feels a lot simpler. It feels like I could just talk about what I feel and what I experience. That I don't have to be an expert. I don't have to have all the experiments or all the data or all the white papers. That I could connect to it directly right now in this moment. And then I feel the first words. And all I've got is as humans. And so then I say the words. And I just allow whatever words are going to come next. Just sort of come next. As humans, one of the ways that we utilized time in order to increase or uphold, perhaps I should say, our limitation, which we know the speed of the universe and of new energy coming through is something that you could describe to be like billions of times per second. And so our beliefs also activate billions of times per second. And one of the structures that upholds 
this speed is our concept of linear time as it stands today and as we have held it previously. We have all experienced those moments where time seemed to pass quickly. And we have all experienced those moments where time seemed to drag on forever. We are already well aware that depending on where we are in a moment, in a situation, in a day, how we're feeling about stuff, the felt sense of the passage of time can change even over a duration that by the reading of a clock would seem to be the same. An hour spent with the love of your life at a fancy dinner for your birthday versus an hour spent in a supply closet sticking labels to hundreds of test tubes by yourself in a bio lab, speaking from personal experience, (laughs) to make some money one summer, seems to plod on forever. We could and have attributed this to some of the environmental factors in the places where these felt differences in time take place. And from a five senses manifestation, this can be true. As we've talked about in the connectedness of what we see and how what we see reinforces our beliefs, when we do not see the movement of the sun, for example, our connection to the passage of time is a little bit disrupted, is a little bit softened. Our mind looks for and grapples with new ways to keep us connected to the linear aspects of the group consensus. But energetically, there's something very interesting happening in those moments as well, is that time is not as structured and not as definitive as we thought it was. Because it moves in response to our beliefs as a group consensus. Okay, so all of those words just flowed out of my mouth. (laughs) Did you hear a difference in my tone? And now I am super annoyed. Anger, as we know, is the energetic reflection of an energy of becoming, meaning I am becoming more of myself, more powerful, more assured of my own power and choice, but I am going up against beliefs that are causing a friction in that direction and I'm turning in their direction. So there is a leaf blower outside and I am worried it is not allowing me to concentrate. I just checked the time on this episode and I'm worried that I only have like five minutes left to wrap this up. I consciously am aware that I have just said a bunch of things that I don't mentally understand and it feels very uncertain and very unknown and I start to get more and more angry. And now the weed whacker just started right as I said that. (laughs) So in prior experiences, I would have totally stopped the recording been totally frustrated. I might have deleted the whole episode or I would have like gone for a walk or I would have gone and eaten a whole bag of potato chips, something because this anger and this frustration was just consuming and I couldn't see past it to what could possibly come next that would wrap up this whole topic into an hour long episode. Now, coincidentally, it is also time for me to go right now. 
which as we've talked about with inconvenience and in the book, they have a beautiful chapter on interruptions. We, from our mind-based perspective, would say that that's wrong, that's unfortunate, that needs to be dealt with. But from their perspective, they would say, actually, it's the next most important thing coming through for you. It's just showing you that you had a mental construct of how this should go, that maybe you didn't even know that you had until you hit the crossroads of an inconvenience. So it's a little lighter for me today to now turn off this episode and go do what I got to do. I feel the frustration, but I also don't try to combat it. I acknowledge that it's there. I am super pissed. (laughs) It's time for me to go. Let's just go. And I'm back. (laughs) Not a few hours later. Not a day later. It has been seven full days since I was last able to sit at my desk and work on this episode. And you and I might both say, man, seven days to finish the episode? I mean, if I was a deadline kind of person and I had a deadline, getting just one episode done was taking forever especially if I had actually thought that I was going to finish it last week when I was trying to get it done. I guess it depends on what I think I got done in that time period. So now I'd like to tell you a story from the last week of my life. The next day, I tried to work on the episode, but the internet was out. I needed to look some things up. I needed to respond to some emails first. And it was just a struggle all morning to get anything done. I took it as a sign from the universe to just give myself a day to process. And off I went to explore my town. As I'm sitting at the stoplight, absentmindedly daydreaming about things, I realize that I'm staring intently at the license plate in front of me. And on that license plate is a manatee. And as I look at that manatee, I realize that the tail is nothing like the tail on the creature that I saw swimming in the water that I described at the start of this episode. And then I remembered how when I had asked the other walker what it was in the water, and she replied, a manatee, There was a part of me that was delighted, but there was also a part of me that didn't quite feel like that's what it was. So I go about my day, continuing to wonder about this, and by the time I get back home, I look on the internet, and sure enough, the manatee tail is not the tail that I saw. And then I remembered how... All that time while the manatee was swimming in between the swimmers and I was with the other walkers, the tail did not come up out of the water. It wasn't until I was further down the beach in these spaces that seemed to appear where it was just me and I was the only one aware of the creature in the water that the tail lifted up out of the water and I was able to see it. 
So I emailed the aquarium in town to ask them. I told my husband about this new mystery. Another day passed. We didn't hear back from anyone. And the next night, we decided to do some more looking around on the internet. We found a creature that kind of had the tail that kind of looked like what I saw. But it's a kind of manatee that is not native to Florida, where I live, and in fact lives in areas far from here, like Northern Africa and the East Coast of Australia. I let this be true for a little while, since I particularly cannot think of anything else that it could possibly be. And another day passes. And then I go back and look at the tail of the manatee that is now the current suspect again and remember very clearly an image of the tail that I saw and it just does not match. So then that evening, I look through every single tail of every single sea mammal that I can find and I can't find a match. And then I remember that I need to finish this episode. A random hour of free time appears where I feel inspired to listen to it. I sit back down and re-listen to the introduction. And then I remember that in the first recording of the introduction, I had said, in an offhanded way, a 500-pound mammal in my describing of what was swimming between the swimmers. I remember stopping the recording at that point and going to look up how much manatees weigh because I recalled that they did weigh more than 500 pounds. Sure enough, the internet says that manatees weigh 1,000 pounds. So then why did I say 500 like it fit? Over and over again, over the past seven days, I was brought up to new realizations that caused me to recognize in a new way what I had actually experienced. Definitions that didn't seem to fit, tales that only I saw, words and ways of describing it that came out of me that didn't align to what I thought should maybe be said or described. It took seven days for me to come around to the possibility of what it was that I had actually experienced in that moment. What am I abiding by in this example? Am I abiding by the rule that it takes sometimes longer than we think to engage in a project like recording a podcast episode? Am I abiding by the group consensus rules for how long it takes to come to terms with something that is truly new and different on our wavelengths? Or at each step and in every minute over the last seven days was every single second used to its fullest potential just in a million different directions that I didn't have a plan for. How would you define the last seven days of my life?
When we start to reach these points in awakening, time doesn't mean the same thing that it used to for all of us. The group definitions of what's possible in any given time are softening. And there are those of us who will have these breakthrough moments that defy what we might have previously thought could be possible in that short of a time span. Do I have anything to show for my experience last week? Certainly not. But do I feel like I reached a new level of experience in my reality? I do. Time dilation was our creation of the experience of time to define and to relate ourselves to possibility. In those experiences, when time seems to pass the most slowly, it is the time periods that our beliefs are the most activated to blind us to all the other possibilities that would be coming through to us billions of times per second. It is the ultimate experience of mental projection. It is the attachment to the plan that we had for what it was that we were creating. Inspiration, desire, invigoration may have carried us in that direction, And the response from the belief system was loyally constructed. We may have been heading in that direction for reasons we could not have anticipated. And those things may have been ready to show themselves to us. But by view of our limitation, we were so attached to the idea of what we thought that time period should be about that we didn't see any of the other myriad possibilities for what could come through. What did I think last week was supposed to be about? Recording a podcast? Yes. And also, from another equally valid perspective, last week may have been an opening to a new level of contact with a type of being that I did not anticipate and am only just beginning to understand. Similarly, we could all ask ourselves a similar question. What is this time period supposed to be about? What is it that we think this day and age is unfolding to become? Is it possible that just like a plan for a house project, we are so caught up in the drama of needing to complete the project itself that we are missing what the universe is freely sending to us from all directions? Only you can determine that. Because we are each flexing into a new space of what is possible for each of us in every moment of time. And the more we allow for our own desires to be possible in any span of time, the more we allow ourselves to receive all the things the 
that the universe never stopped sending us all this time. for listening. We hope you found these messages to be helpful. May they accelerate you on your path wherever you'd like it to go. For more information on The Chorus and I, our podcast, book, or how to get in touch with us, visit katieinthechorus.com. Thanks again. See you next time.